Real fast, I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays, and I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture. Todd, why should they listen? Well, I mean, a lot of people, they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine, and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability, she doesn't have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped, okay? I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show, it's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical, Allison, but no, she's there. So, you know, I try to counteract that with some of my good vibes. <laughs> um, and, uh, I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me. It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get podcasts. Bye. Everyone, hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am very excited to welcome my guest in a moment, but first I must catch up with my producer, the bad boy of podcasting, Tony Thaxton. Hello. How's it going? How are you feeling about the fact that on a recent Thursday show, I know I asked you a question, but now I'm just <laughs> yeah, barreling multiple. through. It's a, it's a thing I do. Um, it's almost like I don't want you to answer. I just want to hear myself talk. But anyway, on a recent Thursday show... Business as usual. <laughs> a guest, our own Jordan Morris, suggested that you relinquish the bad boy of podcasting moniker and give it to me, and I become the bad boy <laughs> of podcasting. Which, it's like... Well, I mean, I'm in favor of that, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking, and I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> any minute now how do you feel about that tony well i think i said this on the other episode that i don't it doesn't really work like that i can't just <laughs> give it up you know it just some things come natural and clearly i mean it's almost like you don't even have to introduce me as that because i feel like it's pretty obvious so if that would help you like relinquish it and then you, I mean, you can try, but good luck with that. Are you saying that, like, are you saying that this, all this frippery of, like, me talking to you about it and me saying, like, you would have to give it to me? Like, if I, if it were naturally meant to be, we wouldn't be going through, like, I'm forcing it. If I'm meant to become the other, <laughs> the, the other bad boy of podcasting, the true bad boy of podcasting, then we won't do this. It'll just one day it'll happen. You know, I would love to yes and you, but. <laughs> It, it it happens at a young age, and you're just you're past that. I'm sorry. I'm not trying. I'm not, I'm not saying you're old. I just mean it's, it's like it happens from from childhood. You know. Oh my god! <laughs> when I was growing up, way back in the black and white days, there was this show. What was the show? I don't know. But there was I a love show Lucy. that I. <laughs> 
like that. The guy, I think Gene Rayburn hosted it. If that tells you how fucking old mm-hmm, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, was it No Whammies? Was it that show? Press Your Luck. No, I feel like it was after that. But you could only be the age. It was like 12 or 13 was the cutoff. And I remember... Double there? <laughs> no, that wasn't Gene. Rubin. I might be conflating a lot of shows. There was, you know what? It doesn't matter. There was a game show where it was before Double Dare. There's a game show where I think they had young people on it and regular older people, and like you could you couldn't be twelve or th- you had to be younger than twelve or thirteen. And I remember when I became too old for that show. That was one thing that I aged out of. And then I remember much later when I aged out of Real World. And now I've aged out of bad boy of podcasting. <laughs> Tony, I can't believe this. Well, and, it's, I'm, it's, like, and I try to be an ingenue, and clearly I've aged out of that, too. What's left for me? Oh, you got all kind of, you got the whole world, you know? Like, you, you've already like opened this back up to, we're finally going to start doing some in person again soon, <laughs> so you say. And I, I think that's just going to open up all calendar. kinds of possibilities for you. <sighs> okay, but... You gave yourself the name Bad Boy Podcasting, but now <laughs> retroactively you're saying that it came to you when you were a child? We're roughly the same age. Don't bullshit a bullshitter. Well, uh yeah, we are roughly the same age, but you know, it's 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 been it's been with me for a lot and I don't I don't know if uh no, podcasts were not invented when we were children, if that's no, what no. you're wondering. Okay. I don't think yes, they were. Yes, that's what I was thinking about. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I don't believe they had podcasts when we were children, even though we are very young. <laughs> it's weird to think my children, one of whom, since we have uh, mentioned this many times on the podcast, so I think that the listeners deserve to know, Owen whose bowel situation has been documented on the show, mm-hmm. just pooped on a toilet at preschool. Play some kind of sound effect. That's right. It's Is that what they did at the mo- school also? <laughs> yeah. The text that I received said they tried to be nonchalant about it so as not to pressure him. And by that, I think it means they played some kind of air horn. Yeah. Um, yes. It's weird to think that uh, they have grown up in an era and an age of podcasting. Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that uh, I think about. Like, uh, somebody brought up like cassette tapes recently that like kids don't even. Well, I guess some labels are starting to put out cassette tapes, so right. maybe that was a terrible example. I still still will scratch this from the record. You know what yeah. I was getting at, though. There's I do. Lots of, there's lots of things that they don't know. Right. VHS tapes. How about that? wait labels are putting out cassette tapes again what are people playing them in i know i i I kind of i'm i'm not a big fan of the move i think i will support it as this i think it's often done as like it's a thing that people can buy when they go to a show like they want to support so they'll they'll buy and it's this thing they can bring home and it almost is just like something to put on your shelf i recently found my first interview the first interview that I did, and it's a cassette tape. And I was like, oh, my God. It, you know, when, Every time I go to my parents' house, I find things that I think – because my mom cannot – I mean, she cannot wait to hand me back all the shit of mine that I've been storing in her house. <laughs> and, but in a way where I'm like, don't you have any sentimental attachment to me? 
she hand, she gave me my baby book. She's like, this is really yours. I'm like, Jesus, lady. <laughs> but anyway, she's just like stacks of stuff. So so she wants me to take my stuff. And I don't want to take my stuff because it's just more stuff. But I'm trying to take stuff. Um, so I've been like taking yearbooks. And when I'm in her house, I'm like, I can't wait to get this home and look at it. But then when I get it home, I'm like, I don't feel like looking at this right now. But I found my the very first interview I ever did. Um, cause you know, I wrote, I wrote for newspapers, magazines and things. And I'm like, that'll be interesting to listen to, but it's a cassette. So I don't have a way of playing it. And I keep thinking, well, I'll just like go on Amazon and get a cheap cassette player, but I haven't brought myself to do guess, this yet. Guess who could convert that digitally for you? Tony Zoni. That's right. You have a thing to thing. I do. I have a thing to thing. <laughs> a cassette to, um, MP3. What I is actually it? haven't even used it yet, so don't hold me to that. I can, but I, in theory, I can. Yes. It uh, is it an actual uh, machine or is it like a uh, an adapter? Uh, no, it looks like a Walkman, basically. That then has a USB coming out of it. A Walkman. You said it like the band. How do you say it? I would say a Walkman. I'm going to put this in my Walkman. <laughs> Let's find out. Let's bring in our guest and then find out. You know what? Because you made it plural. You said Walkman. Yeah. I and I like would say a walk. Let's I don't see. know. That's how I. Okay. This is how I would say it. I would say, we're driving to Disneyland. I got to pack my tote bag full of, because I always brought like things for hours of entertainment, even though it was like a 45 minute drive. I need to put, fill my bag with magazines, Sweet Valley High books, and my Walkman. You would say Walkman? Mm-hmm. That's so strange to me. Well, I also say Batman and Spider-Man. And, Are you uh, doing a, a bit with yourself? or? Well, with those I am, but I, okay. I think I do say Walkman. Walkman. <laughs> I think that's uh, that sounds off to me. But anyway, joining us today, she's a comedian. She's a host. She's one of the hosts of the very popular podcast, Lady to Lady, of which I have been a guest. And also, right now, she is doing a limited run podcast called Babstinence, where she is charting uh, her experience giving up alcohol for a year. We'll find out if she gives it up for longer than that. Please put your hands together for Babs Gray. Yay. Oh, wow. Thank you. The crowd. You should have also mentioned she's... She's a writer. She's a writer as well. Um, yeah, producer. Please. please. Yes. I'm a writer, I'm everyone. Writer and producer. <laughs> Let's get in all all the um all the credits. Hello, welcome. Hi. Walkman. Walkman. Now I'm I I think Walkman is incorrect, but when he said it, it didn't it didn't ping anything to me. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just in the moment it sounded right, and maybe that's how Walkman man are i guess it just sounds like plural walkman walkmans walkman but but like if you but when you were growing up did you have one of these walk devices i had a a cd one where it was i guess that was called a discman a discman now see that (laughs) i would say discman okay (laughs) well that's just inconsistent I don't know. Maybe, you know what? I'm actually, I'm legitimately going like, I wonder if that was like what my parents, maybe my parents called it a Walkman and it just sort of like. Right. Just kind of seeped. It does. Yeah. yeah. It feels like a dad, like the Facebook kind of thing. Right. So maybe it just kind of seeped in. Let's go with that. I mean, I miss, yeah. I, you know, I was just thinking, I want to make my boyfriend a mix 
tape. I guess you still call it a mixtape, even though I wouldn't make it on a tape now. You know, would you make a playlist? I think I would just make a playlist, right? It does. Yeah. It's obviously not as good as a tape, but Tony, would you call that making him one playlists? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know how far you take it. Well, look, hey, you've got a guest here. I'm here all the time. Talk to the guest. <laughs> so, Babs, how is uh, the Babstinence going? It's good. I think I'm like day 26 or something right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still the first month. So I'm like definitely in the ups and downs of kind of like, out of the haze of not having booze in my body, very irritable, <laughs> exhausted. Um, mm. But, you know, I'm enjoying it. It's The podcast is really good accountability because I think I've taken breaks before, but they didn't last very long. So it's a really good way to just like force myself to, you know, take an actual break. And what made you decide on a year? Um, It was my birthday and I'm turning 40 next year. So... I just kind of like, you know, I had a birthday party. I got too drunk. I felt like shit the next day. And I'd been, I'd had the idea for quite a few years. And it just kind of felt like, you know, I'm in between like projects right now. I have time on my plate. I've got the the stuff to do it. Let's just like do it, you know? Mm. So yeah, I just, it, it just felt like the time. It was one of those things, kind of like a tattoo almost where I'm like, I've had this idea forever. It finally feels like now is the time. So mm-hmm. Um, and had, yeah, a year. Yeah, I thought just like my birthday is next year. Let's let's do it. Um, had and and I I have I have listened to I listened to the first episode. I listen. I've I've I, like I have I have a sense of 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 where you are in this and sort of some of some of the reasons and things like that. And I should tell you that I um I don't drink. I haven't I haven't uh had anything to drink in in a, a while, um, as well. Um, but. I'm curious, had people mentioned, not that this is a measure, but I'm just wondering, like, had had people brought up to you that they thought, you know, maybe you should take a break with drinking? What were what did other people think of your drinking? <laughs> I wish, no, my friend group is not that direct. <laughs> no, no one ever said anything to me. I mean, I think my friend, I remember like one of my close friends once saying to me, like, why do you have this impulse to like, you know, kind of like get fucked up with people you don't know that well? Because I was mm-hmm. always like looking for adventure and stuff. And I remember that sticking in my brain a little bit and being like, oh, do I do that? I don't I don't know why I do that. And um, no, no one ever really said anything to me. But I think like I did start noticing that as I was getting older, I was the person like usually pushing it the most in mm-hmm. social situations and being the most like, let's do shots, let's do this. And as you get older, it starts to look a little less, you know, glamorous, not glamorous, but just like, it starts to become a little more obvious when you're kind of sticking out as the one who's kind of like always going for it. So I think I noticed definitely, and I'm sure my friends noticed, they didn't ever, yeah, say anything to me. Um, But I just kind of took the cues on my own, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, how, how did you make like an active choice to stop or did you just kind of gradually stop? So I, you know, it's funny because I'm trying to remember when I stopped. It was sort of like, I feel like there were a few attempts. Um, and honestly, drinking was never really the thing that I thought was the problem. It was like there was this constellation 
of behavior that was problematic. And drinking was the thing that preceded all of the behavior that I wanted to stop. And it had to do with there were guys that I felt like were bad for me. Um, bad and they weren't like bad guys, but it'd be like, there's this guy that I like and I know that he doesn't like me back in, or he can't give me what I need or he's not as interested yeah. in him as I am in, he's not as interested in me as I am in him and it's just going to lead to heartache and I know that. So why can't I stay away from him? But I'm, but I, every time I have a couple drinks, I find myself texting him or, ending up in his apartment and it's just a site. It's like, it feels like an addiction. Cause I have like a very addictive personalities. Um, so, or like it was when I was living in New York and I found myself, you know, experimenting with drugs and things that I was just like, I do not feel by light of day. I do not feel okay with my behavior. So why am I doing it? Even though it was so much fun, <laughs> it was very fun. But like <laughs> in the morning, I just be like, who am I? This is, does not, comport with who I want to be and what I want to be doing. And yet every night I was really like that Laura Brannigan song. Like I don't <laughs> like every night I'm behaving in a way that in the morning I feel ashamed about and I'm finding it tough to stop. Um, and I remember I had sort of fallen in with this group of people who were day drinking. They were all writer, all successful journalists in New York. So these mm. are like very high functioning alcoholics and they were, um, day drinking, which that like really kicked it up to another level. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, not, not day drinking during the week, but like on the weekends and stuff. Um, and so I took this quiz, this like AA quiz, and I was taking it in my mind. Um, cause I was wondering, are they alcoholics? I didn't think I was, but I'm like, I, I, I took, I was just curious. And so I took it and, um, and it was like, if you answer yes to however many questions you might have a problem with drinking. And I answered yes to like way more than however the minimum was. <laughs> and also I remember at this point I had decided I'm drinking when I order a drink, I'm drinking it too fast. So I'm going to start ordering something that I don't like the taste of. Like, maybe I won't like the taste of Oh, my of God. X, Y, Z. <laughs> trying to trick yourself to go yeah. slower. But yeah. that, in that, that didn't even... That, that was before well, I had taken the quiz. Like, that didn't even feel like a red flag or anything to me. That just seemed like a smart decision. And then I remember I was... And I was working at Time Out New York at the time, and I was going to some Time Out New York event. And it was like a Wednesday. And I... um. I was like, I'm definitely not going to drink tonight. And I went to the party and I had two drinks. And I was just like, God damn it. Like, what? why can I not stop doing this? Um, and, but like, and it, it had also gotten to the point where it was one thing when I would wake up in the morning and feel embarrassed and ashamed because I had overshared or I had like, you know, like, been sloppy in some way, but it had gotten to a point where I would just wake up in the morning and feel embarrassed and ashamed just for no reason. Like right, I hadn't done yeah. anything embarrassing. Um, so anyway, I remember that night though, 
I went to a meeting, even though they say like if you have dr- had, had had anything to drink or used or anything, you're not supposed to go to. I think you're not supposed to go. But I still like I waited and then I went to a meeting um, and the people at the meeting were so kind and welcoming. And I never did all this. By the way, I think you're not even supposed to talk about you're supposed to be anonymous, but still, I haven't said what kind of meeting. It could have been um, a Boy Scout meeting. Um, <laughs> but Good save. Thank you. Um, I never did all the steps. Uh, and people have said, like, you left before the miracle happened. But I, on and off, th- over, you know, a-, a large chunk of time, I, like, went in and out of meetings. And it helped me immensely just to be around, to watch, to sort of watch how people dealt with compulsive behaviors and sort of gaining some tools and just the community. And for me, it was, it was hugely beneficial. Um, and really the, that strength to be able to, um, kind of face, uh, what it was that all that drinking and behavior and stuff to like, put that aside and experience all the stuff that came up when I didn't give in to all of that. Um, and, and like my husband, that's the first, he's the first guy that I've ever dated where alcohol, like I've never been drunk around him. It's mm-hmm. the only, and this is sad. That's the only guy I've ever dated where that's where I can say that. Um, it, and, but I remember there was this guy that I was um, dating and I was with him and I was thinking like, I when I was sober and I was thinking like, I don't really, we were, he, he had come to New York and we were in his hotel room and I was like, I don't really want to make out with him right now. But if I were drunk, I would be making out with him. And I was like, oh my God, is that like, has alcohol been leading, been like masking my true feelings all this time? And that kind of made, it was like a realization that also made me uncomfortable though. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do with that for a long time. Um, Yeah, yeah. I identify with a lot of that. I I definitely would drink to like, like you're saying, yeah, make myself make choices that I don't think I actually wanted, but, or sometimes I did want one or the other kind of, you know, but it wasn't like brave enough to kind of face the reality of of making the choice sober so like yeah oh my god i definitely remember multiple instances where i didn't want to be around around a guy anymore but i did like just like be like all right just get drunk and like deal with it instead of leaving or whatever it was so yeah i i'm i've been in a relationship for a few years now um but that was something in my past that for sure was like uh a thing (laughs) So I, yeah, it's, it is interesting now, kind of like you you said, kind of facing those things and, and dealing with, um, stuff, you know, without drinking and as it comes up. So I'm a lot, I, like I said, I think it's the right time because I don't think I could have done it a few years ago when I was, Mm. I don't know, I maybe could have done it was still single and stuff like that, but I, I don't think I was quite ready. So I'm lucky enough now to like, I think have a good support system and things that it's easier than it would have been in the past. Where do you think in you, where do you think that came from um, wanting to sort of not um, like wanting to to be drunk and and not make the hard decisions? 
Um, I think it's just like an, you know, it's just a shortcut to like, I mean, I'm definitely somebody who likes to heighten things and like, you know, I'm a stand up comedian, so I want immediate feedback. So I want immediate action. I want immediate emotion. I want immediate connection. Mm -hmm. I don't like the long way of doing it. So it's like, just get me there right now, which is through booze or drugs or whatever, or sex or, you know, I want to feel close to someone. So it was just, yeah, the fast forward um, button, basically. <laughs> That's how it was for me so often yeah. as well. I totally, you, you mentioned that on one of the episodes and I totally related to that. Just like, also for me, it was this lack of faith and lack of experience in forging an organic, authentic connection, I think. Like, I don't yes. think I trusted that this will, if I just sit back this will happen naturally. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta like cheat. Cheat is the wrong word, but like, I gotta make it happen the fast way, mm-hmm. which is, which is alcohol and which is all those things we're talking about, you know? Um, yeah. I also wanted to, so you mentioned um, in the first episode, you talk about like all the fun, like the, you, you've had so much fun because of alcohol. Um, like you <laughs> yeah. danced in the fountain at the Americana and got banned for four weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, that, I do not think that would have happened sober. Yeah. But you're afraid to lose that part of yourself, right? Definitely. I mean, that's one of the things I've been scared of. Uh, yeah. Is, you know, like I said, losing that like kind of heightened, sense of adventure or existence or whatever and i think i know in my core that that's not that that you know fun is not going to go away obviously um but there's definitely a fear of of kind of like missing out on certain experiences and i do think that it's worth me seeing what it's like to have those experiences without it now but you know on group i think group friend trips is the hardest thing maybe because me and my group of friends you know we're all comedians like you know, we like to go on a trip together and, you know, drink whiskey and do mushrooms and all this stuff. And um, I have some incredible memories with that. So that kind of stuff does make me like a little nervous and just like, oh, no, it's not going to be the same, you know. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I haven't really done anything like that yet. Like, luckily, I kind of started this in a it's been a slow month, like August, really not much is happening. So I haven't had to face a lot of challenges quite yet and mm-hmm. i think those will start coming up especially as the holidays come up and stuff like that you know you know what's weird and i don't know if if people have mentioned this to you um or if you will see this see it this way but i do know that i had moments of being in social situations where everyone else was drunk and i was sober where i would have been altered in the past and almost feeling like oh th- it, this almost feels like a superpower to see this whole situation clearly Right. Um, And not be addled when in the past I would have. And also there's the I I would have this fear that like everyone would be like, you're making me uncomfortable. You're so sober. But it my experience was people don't even realize it. They just think you're drinking like they think you're on their you're as drunk as they are. So that that has had always that was always my experience. Yeah, I'm interested to see what it's like to be around people when they're drunk. I mean, I remember a few years ago when I tried to take a break and I went to like a Bruno Mars concert with a friend and I was so mad because she was drinking, which is yeah. like so not fair at all. You know, <laughs> and I, I'm not feeling that way towards anyone at this time, you know, but I think I was just annoyed that I couldn't drink and and like I didn't like how she was acting because she was getting drunk and just all that stuff. So 
I don't, I am, I'm hoping I won't be like bitchy about it this time. And obviously I can remove myself from the situation yeah. if I want to. But I think that's also like, it's also not fun to be around a bunch of drunk people. No, no. <laughs> I'm, that's super I, fun. I can assume it's not at all. Yeah. So I think I'll just, I definitely like the pandemic has um, slowed me down a lot anyway and getting into like a serious relationship. So I'm not really looking to go. I haven't been really looking to like go out and party at the same level anyway. Right. So I definitely value like going home early and not really giving a shit anymore. <laughs> how, how's, um, how does your boyfriend feel about all of it? I think he's happy. I mean, he's not a big drinker at all. Like he's like a one drink person. He just is like, you know, it's not for him. So he's just like happy about it. Cause I was definitely doing some stupid shit, you know, the last like year where I would like maybe drive when I shouldn't have and stuff like that. Nothing that ever resulted in anything too bad, but like could have, you know what I mean? Where it was just like, you're kind of seeing like, these are some things up like sliding door B, this is what mm -hmm. could have happened. And luckily I never got there, but it was enough where I was just like, this is stupid. You can't be risking this shit. And he would take it very seriously and get pissed off at me, which he rightfully should have. So I think he kind of just made me, you know, see that like I shouldn't take stuff like that so lightly, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and this is, uh, I'm going to ask a personal question. That's the, the hallmark of a great <laughs> interviewer is someone who lets you know ahead of time <laughs> and you don't have to answer it. Um, you are in therapy, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, what your uh, therapist thinks of all this. You know, she, <laughs> she like, I have mentioned to her this idea for years. So I definitely have been talking about, A, I think maybe starting a podcast, but just not drinking in general to her for a very long time. And so I, when I told her, like, right after my birthday, like, I think I'm thinking about doing this. I already recorded the first episode. I just need to decide if I want to put it out. She was kind of like, okay, you know, it's up to you, whatever you want to do, obviously. And I think she was happy I was doing it because, um, like I said, the accountability really is makes a big difference. And I've had so many people reach out to me that are, you know, just kind of telling me their experiences, which I think gives me that sense of community I'm usually looking for, like when I drink. But yeah, she was supportive. She's She's behind it. I know for me, a lot of drinking was feeling uncomfortable in my own skin um, and just feeling like I want to connect with people. I don't know how to do it on my own. I f and this makes it happen faster, like we're talking about. Do, how, how do – without it – no, let me let me let me rephrase the question. In general, how are you socially? Are you are you a person who is pretty comfortable? You know, it goes back and forth. I feel like I had that kind of weird anxiety everyone had coming out of like lockdown where it was just like how do I speak to other humans? And that felt a little more like intense than mm -hmm. it had been in the past. So, I can be very social. I've usually I've been a very social person most of my life, you know. I think that I require more downtime than I used to now, but that's pretty normal. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very social. Like I'm very like talk to everybody, you know, I, I definitely have that as like a, I need it to energize and build up like fairly regularly. Um, so I do, this is, 
you know, an interesting time to kind of see what it's like without that. And I have found so far that I do fine. Like, I am not, you know, I can have conversations. I'm still funny. I'm present. You know, I I haven't had a dance party yet. That'll be the real question. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. I'm really curious to, like, see if I can, like, let loose, like, you know, I used to in the past in that way. Um, but, yeah, socially, I feel, like, okay so far. Um but I do need like, I definitely will um, Irish goodbye, I think more now where I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm done. I have a very like, like, okay, I am done now socially, you know, flip switch kind of. Mm-hmm. Has alcohol led you to make bad decisions? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, I think a lot of decisions I like sort of wanted to make, but they mm-hmm. were bad, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I I remember like specifically there was one guy I was hooking up with who I felt really bad because he was like my my old friend used to they kind of like used to hook up and it was a long time ago. It had been like over a year since I ever did. So it wasn't recent or something, but she had liked him and I felt so guilty. So I would like drink to make myself like go over there, you know, and we were we have like a lot of chemistry. And it was also one of those things where I was really upset he didn't like me more than just for sex you know mm. and so yeah i would just like always drink to like get myself to go show up at his place and that was just so like when i think about it i'm just like so sad for that version of myself sort of because i didn't have the confidence to either say like you know what no i like i want to go be with this person and have sex with them or to just say like no i'm worth more than this fuck you which i eventually like grew out of because i knew it wasn't good for me mm-hmm. but i was definitely drinking to make those kind of choices to like especially yeah be with guys who weren't really respecting me Ugh. i i that and that's not a judgmental uh that's a re- that's oh, a yeah. me relating uh <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah what's your uh that is my history with guys is just is that everyone's history with guys it it's not in my experience it's pretty common i mean not everybody but it is pretty common i think too i you know i was like in the comedy scene i was having fun too and a lot of it was i i liked it too because i would like i don't know it was exciting to me and i like you know let my friends know like the next day what happened or it was kind of like i want to talk about it on stage and like be raw about like my you know sex life or whatever the hell because i was Mm -hmm. like just starting out then um but now I like feel a little cringy about it or just like realizing that I wasn't, I don't think, you know, it wasn't about me having confidence. It was about me kind of like faking it almost. Yeah, I know there's that thing and I don't know if this is universal or if this is a generational thing, but that thing of like, I'm empowered, I'm out there, I'm making choices for myself. I'm sleeping around, I'm blah, blah, blah. And then I look back on that and I'm like, I don't feel that that was me being empowered, really. <laughs> I know. I, I'm str- I'm struggling with that because like, it's like, I don't want to, I don't know what the answer is, I guess, you know, because I don't want to put out that like, I wasn't because I, you know, a lot of younger women listen to like my other podcasts and stuff. And so I don't want to pretend like I wasn't, but also I don't know at this point, looking back at it, I do think, yes, a lot of it was coming from insecurity, too right but it's also like i don't think there's any way to really get to know yourself but then to go through all that shit either in some ways so it's just like it's kind of part of the path maybe well right yeah it's i mean it's tough because in a sense it was 
this is, let me see if I can articulate this. In a sense, it's empowered or it's rebellious because I feel like society and my parents and I feel like there were people who were like, you shouldn't be behaving this way. And so I was like, this is my middle finger. I'm going to do whatever I want. And so, you know, I was, I was trying to individuate and be my, and, you know, taking matters into my own hands and stuff. It's just that when I look back on it, I think, but if I were re if I really had known myself and known what I needed and wanted, I would have known that those experiences we're not going to make me feel good. But it took years right. to get to a place to realize that about myself. And it was only through yeah. those experiences that I learned that. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's just like, I can't tell if I would have had to go through that anyway. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I definitely was always, yeah, I, I think it was often for other, I, what I was doing was actions to, for other people. My, yeah. I was not the first person. I was thinking right. of for sure. Right. Right. I look at women who somehow were like were able to not have to go through what we're talking about who like were able to put themselves first and mm -hmm. were able to be at, at where we are you know right out of high school and I'm just like I I don't I'm trying to think if I even know any of them I don't think I do but there I do know some who like didn't go through a, a period of um of such intense pain and it's like how how does that happen i don't know i have sons which right. in some ways even though i was so sure i was going to have girls and I, in my mind i was like i had it i had it all planned out for like and when they get their periods i'm going to be this kind of mom and like all the rites of passage that i the way i would have wanted them to go for myself i'm like it's going to go this way and then when i found out i was having boys i was like what? But I have no idea how that's going to be. And now sometimes I think like maybe it'll be easier, but um, I don't know what my point was. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know the, the women who don't, uh, the women who somehow have that level of self-esteem, kudos to them because I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I feel like I have a lot of friends who've had differing experiences, but at the end of the day, like at the ending to this point in life, we're all fucked up in a different way. So even mm -hmm. if they didn't go through that, there's something else they're going through. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they haven't had enough experience in relationships and they're dealing with that. So it's kind of just like evens out at some point. I right. <laughs> right. Tony, have you ever debased yourself in relationships? <laughs> I feel like you, I mean, I know that like it hasn't been one nonstop uh, happily ever after for you, but I feel like, Maybe you haven't debased yourself like we're talking about. Mm, maybe a little bit here and there, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think so. Not too bad. How nice for Sorry, you. Sorry, I know it's, it's boring. <laughs> answer, I have like you know I have so many like numbers in my phone that are just like asshole with like ten s's and <laughs> stuff like that. Just people, it's like do not call and you know. I was just talking about this on um, one of my other podcasts. It's called Childish. We were talking about embarrassing pet names because Greg Fitzsimmons had a girlfriend where 
And I never knew this. I cannot believe this never came up. They each called each other poopers. I'm like, now that you've told me that, I will never call you anything other than poopers. But I was saying that I know plenty of people who change the name of a like former flame in their phone to something. Okay, so please tell tell us more what some of the names are in your phone. Well, I actually I have a stand up joke about it, but um. My the funniest one is Matt Matt Canadian foreskin. That's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> and I had I remember I was in this is not an ex, but I was I was in a friend's phone as hot mayonnaise. Um and my friend actually died and then his parents were looking through his phone and they were like, Who's hot mayonnaise? So uh I remember that. But yeah, I think I think it's mostly variations on asshole, honestly. <laughs> Probably just like <laughs> asshole number one. Asshole number two. And then there's names in there where it's like Greg Tinder. And I'm like, why? Okay, I don't know why I still have this in here. Why hot mayonnaise? <laughs> I think it was like some some cum joke between us oh, okay. that we had. And yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Duncan's parents. <laughs> and so did they like text you or call you? I was at the um we were like sitting in a circle like, you know, kind of just like mourning him and they were going through his phone <laughs> right there. And they were like who is hot man? <laughs> and I was like it's me. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Um this is a segue. You wrote for Billy on the street, right? I did. I mean, I like they bought some of my jokes, so I didn't, you know, I wasn't like in the room ever, but they, I get to say I did. So, yes, that's really cool, though. It was. Yeah. Very fun. Like really fun to come up, try and come up with those. um, oh, What are they called? Uh, the like obstacle courses that they had. Mm. You know, I, I tried to pitch one that was like Alanis Mor based on ironic by Alanis Morissette when you're just like you're in a, you know, a pool of 10,000 spoons looking for a knife and just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so those were really fun to come up with. Yeah, just it's fun to like write imagining him screaming something at someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you grew up in Salt Lake City, yes? Mm -hmm. But not religious? Um, I grew up Catholic, but not Mormon. Yeah. So I very different from, <laughs> yeah. from everyone around me. What was that like growing up there? It was interesting. It was just, I, you know, we moved there when I was I was in like second grade. So I was pretty young. But like I said, I was very social. So it didn't take me long to kind of just like meet everybody. But there was always a disconnect. You know, there was always just like, oh, all most of the people I'm I'm around all see each other at, you know, at church on Sunday and like mm -hmm. all their families hang out. And I was just not in that group so i didn't feel like an outsider necessarily i had my friends we all kind of like found each other like theater nerds basically and a lot of their families were either like ex-mormon or just kind of they weren't in it anymore um so we we yeah we kind of found each other but it was very interesting growing up there because yeah like the kids just didn't drink like they didn't really party like the popular kids it was not a thing they were all just like cheerleaders and like head of the school board and stuff like that. So it was, um, I think, a different environment from a lot of people in high school. Mm -hmm. So I didn't mind it because it was just kind of what I was used to. And I had my little group. So I didn't I felt like I had my own little world, you know, but I'm glad I got out and now kind of like learning more about Mormonism and just like. How, you know, it was really toxic for a lot of my friends and especially 
friends who were queer growing up in it, you know, I feel like they had a lot of, a lot of stuff to like deal with that it, Mormons love to sweep shit under the rug. Like we, um, we had a gay straight alliance in school, you know, a club and the school board like didn't know what to do. So they just got rid of every school club. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was like how they dealt with stuff is they wouldn't talk about it. They would just be like, it doesn't exist, you mm -hmm. know? So I do really feel for like a lot of my, my LGBTQ friends who grew up in Mormonism, who just like were being told that they were evil and you yeah. know what I mean? Didn't have a place there because it, it really affected a lot of people, a lot of people's mental health. Um, so I, I feel like I got out fairly unscathed because I wasn't in the church, you know, and I left when I was like in my early 20s. Um, and it, it is like it's confusing because it's like a nice place to grow up. It kind of has that like sheen of like everyone's mm. very nice and they're very family oriented. But then there is that kind of like dark backstory to it that's right. very fucked up. So where did you guys move from? We moved from Sacramento. Um, I was born in Palm Springs and then we moved to Sacramento when I was pretty young. And then we moved out of Sacramento because it was just like my parents were like, this is not a good place for kids. So we got to get the fuck out of here. So they were like, where's a good place for a family? And they just like, I don't even know if Google was around them, but they looked at it somehow and found Salt Lake City. Huh. That's so funny. I um, also was born in Northern California um, in Oakland. And my parents oh, were cool. like, this is not a good place for us to stay. <laughs> so we had, but we went to Orange County, which is also homogenous in, in its own way. Oh um, yeah. Orange County is very in its own bubble for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you stayed in Salt Lake City until your early twenties. Yeah. I moved out to LA. I just moved out to LA from there uh, at 25, I think. Were um, you already doing comedy? No, I started comedy in LA. I, I like knew I wanted to try it, but I just started here. And I I mean, I, you know, I talked about this on the podcast a little bit the last episode, but like starting comedy was just like the most fun few years of my entire life. Because as soon as I started stand up, I was like, oh, this is the thing I've been like looking for. This is what I want to do with my life. And then I was also just meeting you know, people who would become my like best friends and my family, basically. And you're just seeing each other every night and like performing and you don't really give a shit about it all yet as far as like career goes, because mm -hmm. it's just like fun, you know, so it's not like too serious or anything. So it was I feel really lucky at the time I like moved here and was able to kind of like insert myself into this like growing community. Um, What had you been what had you been doing in Salt Lake City up until like from 18 to 25, let's say. I, I went to school there. I went to the University of Utah and I got a film degree, mm -hmm. um, which was not, it was like a really small, uh, what do you call, whatever. Program? Program, thank you. And so I got to like do a lot of stuff and I it was fun, but I was also just like really lazy by the end and like barely <laughs> passing anything. Did you think <laughs> that you wanted to go into film? Like were you, what, what were your aspirations? Yeah, I, I know I wanted to go into entertainment. Like I had gone, I was, like I said, I was a theater kid and I started theater, but I just, it was a little too like intense for me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do film and I knew I wanted to like make TV or make film or just do something in entertainment. And so, yeah, I, I hung around LA or I hung around Salt Lake for a few years working in production there, just like being a PA on random stuff. I was a PA for Dancing with the Stars because Marie Osmond was on the show. And so she uh -huh. lived in Salt Lake and she would come back and practice there. So I was like being a PA for that and just random shit that would happen. Uh, and so, yeah, I moved to LA just kind of like didn't really know anybody. You know, my 
my dad drove out with me in my like Subaru hatchback. And, um, you know, it was when UCB was like really the thing to do. So I just kind of like started taking classes there immediately and um, w- started working in reality TV as like a day job and just kind of found stand up, threw myself into that and just like kind of worked day jobs to, you know, keep it going. And that's so yeah. cool. Did you just um like just randomly find did you find a roommate via Craigslist or? Oh, my God. I was so lucky. I moved. I like sublet from a friend who had a place um just you know she was going to be in india for a month or something so i sublet from her and then the roommate at that house knew someone in a different house who needed a roommate so i moved in there and that's where i am now i've been there 15 years (laughs) yeah you mentioned this is the place with the guy with the ice age 2 poster oh yeah (laughs) my old roommate jeff oh my god yeah when i moved in here jeff was here and my other roommate Susie, and then eventually like they moved out I had other roommates move in. It became a comedy house. Like we had a show that was here like once every four months. Um, that would be like this huge comedy show and party. And then, uh, you know, pandemic hit. My boyfriend moved in. My other roommates moved out. So now like we live here with our cats. So it's gone through like many stages. So you you live <laughs> in a venue, basically. <laughs> yes, pretty much. It's seen a lot. I, my um My neighbors across the street, we used to like you know, we have this, these successful shows and then these neighbors moved in and I could tell when they moved in, I was like, they're going to be fucking assholes. They're going to be a problem. <laughs> and then the cops started coming to the shows and then they sent an anonymous package to my landlord saying I was running an illegal comedy club out of the house and that like we had to shut it down. And I was just pissed because I was like, why didn't you just come to me and like tell me yeah. you're, you know, th- I that's their issue was that their son had like a window and could hear the comic saying stuff. And I was like, if you had told me that we would have stopped using a microphone so they couldn't hear it. I didn't right. know that they could hear it, you know. So it was kind of annoying because they never they just like did this weird anonymous like right. packet thing. Um, yeah. So we had to stop it after that. But if I ever move out, I'm definitely having like one last show for sure. But wait, it doesn't I've been paranoid. But it doesn't make you uncomfortable to live in a place where a lot of uh, people have they know exactly where you live. No, people don't know. Like they don't you know that that's that's scrubbed from the Internet. It's not uh, it's not out there. Oh, it. But who gets to, to who gets to attend these shows? It was like, I mean, it was just friends. It was like a friend. Oh, you know, we were just inviting people like each in the community. Got to it. Out. Got yeah. it. It wasn't like you were selling tickets. No, 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 no. It was okay. it wasn't. Yeah, it was just comics and, you know, I friends see. and stuff like that. OK, it okay. did. We did get listed in the L.A. Times once and they put my address in there, which I was like, excuse me, can you please take this out? And they did. But um, I ha- it was funny because then I had like. All these like very elderly people actually did come to the next show who read the LA Times. That's so cool. <laughs> so that was very sweet. But that was the only time that it was ever like a public thing and they took it out of there. So. Who are some – would I have heard of some of the comedians who have performed at your secret comedy pop-up? Oh, yeah. I mean it was like um, – who's been on it? I, Pete Holmes, Moshe Kasher, Eric Andre did it back in the day. Um Who else? Brent Weinbach. Yeah, just like the alternative comedy – you know. Oh, that's really cool. Through. Yeah. Uh, did it have, don't say what it is because someone might be able to go find that LA Times thing, but did it have like a cool name? I'll ask you off air. The name of what your venue was? It was, Um. it was a name of, Uh. basically, it was a name after, it was kind of like referencing that it was a, a show and a dance party. So mm. that's, I'll tell you off air. Yeah. Tell me, tell me <laughs> off. Um. 
Wait, okay. So I was going to ask something. Okay. And then what were the reality shows that you worked for? Oh my God. So the first, I think this is the first one I worked for. I did like day gigs on a lot of different ones, but I worked for this one called Solitary and it was Fox used to have a reality channel called Fox Reality. And it was this crazy show where they literally had people live in pods by themselves. It was like solitary confinement, quote unquote. And you would like control their food and how much they slept. And they had to go through all these um, experiments, they called them. And like they could press a button to get out, but then they would obviously lose. And so whoever lasted the longest won. Jeez. And it was just I would, as like, I would make it like 24 minutes. Yeah, no. You, I think people always thought they would make it much longer. And I think the person to last the longest was maybe like a week or something or 10 days. But you, I think you can watch it on YouTube still. It was just really weird show that I was just like, what the hell am I working on? You right. Know? Um, but I remember I worked two seasons of it and the second season I was like, you know, my producer was just kind of like, what are you planning on doing? And I was just kind of like, oh, you know, probably get another reality job and whatever. And he said like, well, you know, I see a lot of people come out here and they just get jobs in reality and they just like, don't do the things they came out here to do. So I don't want you to get caught up in that. That's so nice. I know. And I really took it to heart. And I was just like, okay. And luckily, I could get on unemployment because that job ended. So I took like a few months and I just really threw myself into comedy to make sure I like it was a priority. And ever since then, I like no matter what job I did, that was always like my priority was just like comedy is, you know, my life. Even when I worked, I worked as a graphic designer for The Hollywood Reporter. And I was like a ghost at that job. I would just like float in and like barely know anyone's names and just be like this is not my life <laughs> and just mm-hmm. try to leave so i could do open mics and stuff so yeah and then how did you meet uh tess and brandy who with whom you do lady to lady which is having its 10 year anniversary oh my god yeah i've been doing it 10 years this year which i don't even know how that's possible uh we met yeah doing open mics basically just seeing each other all the time brandy actually was taking it an improv class the same time I was at my during my first like 101 UCB class. So she's like one of the first people I met in LA. Um, And I think we were just outside a sidewalk after a show once and somebody was like, talk, somebody said, you know, lady to lady, like man to man, sort of like as a joke. Uh And we were like, Oh, that's a fun name for a show. And then we just kind of yeah went from there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did it? It started as a live show, right? Yeah, it started as like a black box little theater show. Um, And our producer, David, who had the show, like he leased the black box for years. He was running the the theater. He kind of knew about podcasts and we didn't even know about them yet. You know, it was still kind of new. And he just said, like, I'll produce it. And that that was the lifesaver because we I don't think it would have lasted, you know, if we had to do it ourselves and all the tech stuff is like very hard. Um, So Luckily, he came in and helped us along the way. And yeah, we used to have like guys come in and play characters the first year. We'd, like we'd have a guest and then we'd have a guy come on and do, improvise like a weird character. That didn't make any sense because we were not, not like very good improvisers. Um, so that was like the beginning of the show. And then uh, also you have been like instrumental in Britney Spears the Britney Spears freedom movement, if you will. Yeah. Uh, are you working on anything? So explain that and your role in all of that. And then also, are you working on anything Britney Spears related currently? Uh, oh, my gosh. I still it is the most surreal thing I'll ever, probably ever experience in my whole life. Um, but yeah, I, me and Tess started like a 
side project called Britney's Gram in 2017 or something like that. And uh, we were just like, you know, her Instagram was really fascinating to us. And we would just always share it between us and be like, oh, my God, look at this post, you know. And it was before anybody was really talking about the conservatorship. It was just for fun. But we were like, let's start a podcast only about her Instagram. That'll be so funny and so weird and niche. And yeah, for a year, that's what it was about. It was just about her Instagram posts. And then um, Tess, who had a background in investigative journalism, started getting like, really like, what is this conservatorship about? What is this anyway? Started actually looking at the court documents, started going to court hearings. And then we got really into investigating it in real time. And at the same time, all this weird shit was happening with Britney. She canceled her residency. There's just like, it was just weird cosmic timing that we happened to be looking at it when this stuff was happening. So this is a very shortened version, but we got a whistleblower voicemail, someone who called us and said Britney was like being held against her will in this mental health institution. So we released the episode and called it Free Britney. And then that kind of like snowballed into this crazy thing. Yeah. And then that documentary came out about a year after that, the Hulu one that everyone watched. That made it kind of legit. And and you were, yeah, she's you, free. that's the one that you were both uh, <laughs> Yeah, we were in that one. For. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can't believe she's, I mean, we never honestly thought she would actually get free because it was like so, it seemed like there was, it was just a brick wall. And uh, when she got a new lawyer, finally, she got out of it, which is amazing because as we learned, it's extremely hard for anyone to get out of them once they're in them. Um, yeah. So I'm not doing anything Britney related right now. Like a really, truly, we gave three years of our lives to it, like every day reading documents, like you're, you know, just driving yourself totally nuts, like looking into all of it. So I've taken a bit of a step back from that where we have, I'm not, we haven't announced yet or we're still like figuring it out, but we have a new project coming out where we also kind of investigate things. So we're just kind of uh, waiting for that to come out or to, you know, is that, that a, a podcast? It'll be a podcast. Yeah. Um, wait, did you, did you, you did something called toxic though, right? Or did you already mention what that is? Yeah, no, we, so we did Britney's gram and then, and then we wanted to like put it into like a more serious thing where people could kind of get the whole story. So we made a 10 episode investigative podcast called toxic, the Britney Spears story. And that's really like covering, like, how did she get in this? What are conservatorships? How do other people mm -hmm. get in them? And that is, yeah, the hardest I've worked on anything in my life. That was so hard. Um, but I'm very proud of it. And it's a really good, I think, summation of kind of, if you liked the documentary, this is like a really deeper dive into everything behind it, sort of. Can I ask you a, a somewhat not deep Britney question? Because this came up on, uh, so I host, co-host another podcast called Upworthy Weekly. I don't know if you know Upworthy. It's like feel-good news stories. Yeah, um, yeah. And this morning we talked, although uh, I'm thinking like how, what what was the feel good upworthy angle on this one? Oh, I know what it was. Okay. So we talked about the, how Kevin Federline put out that video that was kind of supposed to be shaming Brittany <laughs> right. for her, you know, uh, being too harsh with her sons, but actually all these people rallied to her defense showing that like, um, I yeah, he thought upward. he had some kind of gotcha, and it was just right. like the most mild thing you've right. ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we talked about that a bit. We did like a bunch of parenting, uh, different angles of parenting stories on on the show today and then some other stuff as well. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just wondered, like, what was your take on that? I mean, 
Yeah, I was just like, I really didn't, I honestly just don't even know what he thought he was doing because I don't know what he thought those videos were proving. He, it's pretty well known, but he's been making, you know, getting a lot of money from Britney for child, um, for, what is it called? Oh my God. Child, child support. Child support. Thank you. Wow. My brain is not working. Um, he's get, <laughs> He's been getting a lot of money from her for child support for a long time. He petitioned to get more like a few years ago because he literally was like, I can't work. I can't work a job. Give me more money. <laughs> and um, so I I think his gravy train's coming to an end soon. So he's kind of trying mm. to like get some attention, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was like a joke. I don't I don't really know what he thought he was trying to do. And it's sad. Like the kids, I'm sure they don't want to be in the middle of all this shit. You know, right? Yeah, everyone just comes off looking, but he mostly comes off looking looking not good. Yeah, it was just like. All right, dude, this I respect iffy. if you don't want to talk, you know, but that's the choice you should make. I don't really know why you're trying to get into right. this now. It was not a good look. Right. Well, speaking of children, did you know that one out of six couples struggle with infertility? That's a staggering. Did you know that I'm the queen of segues? That's a staggering <laughs> statistic. Most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about it, but we need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. I just want to say, I've been very open about the fact that I did IVF with both of my kids. Uh, They did not have this back when I did it. If they'd had it, I could own a yacht right now. That's how much money I would have saved. I'm just kidding. And also, I would never own a yacht because I get seasick. I'm just saying, I would have loved all the initial testing that I did. I would have loved to have been able to do that at home. It would have given me so much information. uh, And I think it's amazing that you can now do this at home. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve, aka how many eggs you have compared to other women your age, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also download the results to review with your doctor for next steps. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash Allison, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can put those dollars toward modern fertility. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound info about your body can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Allison Rosen. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Allison Rosen, modernfertility.com slash Allison Rosen. One more quick thing about that. Uh, when I was younger, I heard about people freezing their eggs and I thought, I don't want to do that. I'm just sure I'm sure everything's going to work out when it's supposed to work out. And uh, I do look back and I think I do wish that I had done that when I was younger because it would have made the whole process easier. So my advice, if you are in a position where you are able to do that, do it. It's just a good insurance policy. That's a longer story that we can all talk about someday. Anyway, okay, let's do Just Me or Everyone. We have a song. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? 
All right. This is where people mention things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And we want to hear from you, the listeners, with your just me or everyone. Tweet us that at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, hashtag J-M-O-E for just me or everyone. But Babs, do you have one? Yes. Um, Okay. Is it just me or is it actually impossible to like drink as much water as we're supposed to drink in a day? I can't do it. I've given up. I'm dry and that's okay. Yes. <laughs> I hate water. So for me, it is truly impossible. I have talked about this. I don't like water. Does I, anyone do it? Like, does anyone truly? Yeah. There are people who How? buy those like gallon things that have all the little like. But then it's like, how nasty is it? By the end of the day, it's like that's it's like that gross, like warm. Right. And also, those things are heavy. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I tricked myself into like I love liquid IV; it's delicious. However, I realize it's just Kool Aid with vitamins. I was like, yeah. oh. They just tricked me. It's just sugar water. This is the only reason I'm drinking this. Right. Like I so let the record show I am drinking a small bottle of water now, but I put in one of those propel packets in here. So it's really I mean, it's only 10 calories, but it's just We have to trick ourselves though. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But if I if I drink diet soda or like one of those one of the sodas that I swore off, but now I'm backsliding into, I can drink a lot of liquid that way, and then I'm peeing all day. My urine is like I know. clear. Uh, my boyfriend but, likes to insist that sparkling water doesn't count, and I'm like, "Fuck you! It counts. Like it yeah. has to count. Yeah. It has to. It count. just has it to. Yeah. I Why would it, it not count? I don't. He he's claiming it's bad for me. I'm like, I'm not drinking alcohol. This can't be. This is good for me. It's okay. <laughs> You're not drinking alcohol. You should be able to put to drink whatever liquid you want. I'm putting you anything in. I'm putting all his... liquids in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and also, if you read any magazine, <laughs> which is where all good medical info is, they say coffee, tea, liquid, that all counts. Okay. Six Thank to you. eight cups of liquid. Great. Or whatever they say. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I am getting enough. I don't fucking know. I just am exhausted. It's like getting up and filling. I don't have like a good water thing happening in my house. So it's just, it's a, it's tiring. I don't want to get up and refill the thing. I don't. <laughs> your, what, just, how, cl- how, how concentrated or dilute is your urine? That's, I think, the measure of how hydrated you are. You know what? It doesn't, I look that, they said that's a, it doesn't what? count. That's not true. Well, how there do you was know one that? of those articles that I'm going to live by forever now. I think in the New York Times that said that's not necessarily a measure of how hydrated you are. What is the measure then? I don't know, but it's not pee. I thought it was pee. I've <laughs> always used that as the measure. Honestly, probably. I, I love it when they put out one article that, I, you know, you're just like, okay, nothing. We can right. all just decide whatever we want now. Right. Like I have not had a mole check at a dermatologist since I was a teenager because I had it in my head that because I have black hair – for some reason, that is protection. Like, <laughs> my hair is darker than my moles, so therefore, that's protection. And then I recently talked to my mom, and I realized, like, I misinterpreted something, and that's not true. And I really need to get my buns in there. Like, it's insane that I haven't, you know, had my entire... Do you... 
Well, Babs, you have like you're you're fairly fair complected. Do you go and get your body checked by a dermatologist? No, I should. You I don't. absolutely okay. should. should. I don't we do, do like two for one. Should we go together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should. <laughs> um, see if we can do one of those like stack on top of each other and wear a trench coat so we can pay <laughs> yes. one price. Tony, do you get your body checked? <laughs> uh, no, it's it, okay. I can't say that I do, but I do drink water all day long. All right. Okay, so maybe uh, not everyone. Not everyone's getting checked. I got the sense that like everyone is going and getting their whole body checked by dermatologists. No all the one's time. doing all the shit you're supposed to do to maintain. Right. I haven't been to the dentist forever. All the yeah, my body is not. I'm sure there's some fucked up shit going on. I don't want to know about. Yes, that's how I. It doesn't. Do you go to the it's gyne- not there if you don't look at it. <laughs> do you go to the gynecologist? Do you get mammograms? No, I haven't gotten that. Oh, I need to go really bad. Yeah, oh. I have an appointment actually. Okay. Tony, do you get mammograms and go to the gynecologist? It's been a bit. I am due. (laughs) You might be due for it. Um, All right. And then also, Babs, do you have a Hey Go Fuck Yourself? I do have a Hey Go Fuck Yourself. And I actually switched mine because I was going to talk about a tree outside that's driving me crazy. But Mm. like, who the fuck cares? Because this is a... Okay. This... I mean, it's too much to explain. Okay. But this is a in real time Hey Go Fuck Yourself. Because I just got a message that I want to say this to. I can't Uh, wait. Um, of course, a man messaged me. The last message I got from this person was, I love your work back in July. And I said, hey, thanks. Great message to get. Yeah. That's very nice of you to say. I just got a message from him today at 2.03 p.m. that said, is your family Irish? <laughs> now, this just is like, an, an, this is just trying to get me to interact so he yeah. can jerk off or something. I know this, right? <laughs> so I just said Yes. Because I'm also, I'm always curious when these fucking assholes do this. And he goes, I feel like we are cousins. Is his last name Gray? No. (laughs) This is just trying to get me to fucking talk to you by saying some goddamn nonsense. So I just want to say to him. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Yeah. (sighs) They're always up doing this shit up in the DMs. Always. I real so there's this guy who was always sliding into my DMs to say something somewhat annoying. And let me see if I can find it. The last time oh my god. Oh no. Oh my god. Oh no. He another one ah! <laughs> He sent another one? Yes. <laughs> what I was going to say was I found the perfect thing to say. Because ever since I said it, he hasn't said anything to me. And I'm like, oh, no. I found the key. I mean, truly, the way to get someone to stop talking to you is just to mute, to block them, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, of course. But I haven't done that. And I should. <sighs> this guy gets a hey, go fuck yourself for undermining <laughs> my perfect thing. Because I was like, I found the way to get rid of him. Well, anyway, he said to me, a while ago, he said, you talk too much with your eyes closed in response to a video. So I wrote back, are you negging me? You know what negging is? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he said he wrote back, looks up negging. Nope, not negging. And he hasn't responded ever since. And I was like, oh, my God, I found the perfect way to like get rid of like vaguely trollish comments is just to suggest they're negging you. Right. And right. then they like you know they like shrivel up like like salt on snails no of course that won't that won't wait what did he say though recently so i 
I reposted this thing that says we have to stop being good girls if we want to be free women, which is a little bit incongruous with what most of my stories have been because it's like so sincere and it's um it's from it's like codependency recovery coach, which is not really my brand of late, but at the same time it's sort of like <laughs> I mean I, I don't know I, get, it, I always it spoke you to connect me. with something you connect with something yeah it connected with it enough that I wanted to repost it it was early in the morning I hadn't fully tapped into the part of me that has more humor and he wrote. <laughs> repressive tolerance i don't even know what that means now he's making you you're gonna have to go looks up repressive tolerance and then go nope not repressive tolerance what does that mean oh now we see this asshole's making me google something i hate him so much (laughs) are you googling it yes of course okay okay (sighs) what this is too much information Good girls, if we want to be free women. The passive acceptance of social practices, policies, and actions with which restrict freedom in an absolute sense. What? So I guess just passively accepting how the world is and how it, which then restricts your freedom. Okay. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. (sighs) This hurts my brain. And irritates me. <laughs> I had one guy send me a message just said, um, do you have an OnlyFans? Because wait, what was it? Because it's no, do you have an only he was trying to make a reference to me also being a comic, but he said, Do you have an OnlyFans? Because it's no joke how sexy you are. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? Also, you would know if I had one. I would you would know because right. you're the guy that's paying attention. So again, you're just trying to get me into a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah i'm i will block this guy i always just like in these kinds of things i'm just like what's your game so i'll respond like i said and just say yeah. like yes but the the best one i ever had was um this like this went viral no big deal sorry not to brag but one guy messaged me once and he said um hey have i ever told you how cute you are and I was like, no, I've never met or talked to you before. Yeah. So how is like, that possible? Well, I just scrolled up and actually you haven't. Duh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> I've never interacted with you in my entire life. So I used um, he I could tell he was like drunk or something. And I, I used only um, lyrics from the song uh, Smash Mouth or All Star by Smash Mouth. And I literally only responded in that he took it. He took the bait the whole time, tried to make it super sexual. By the end, he said, how do I get to eat your pussy? And I said, um, oh, well, what's yeah, he just went for it. And I said, well, what's wrong with taking the back streets? And he <laughs> said, yeah, he said, I'll eat that, too. I love it. So oh. that's out there. Oh, that's out there. Google like smash mouth, creepy text. The whole. Oh, that went viral. That went viral. That whole that whole conversation. It was like the funniest interaction I've ever had with a human being. It was insane. Then did you block him? No, I think he. I don't think he ever responded again. I sent him a. I was like, here's a pic, and I sent him the picture of the Smash Mouth guy, and then he never said anything again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should just block this guy, right? Because he's bugging me. No, and my I life think would be better. No, at this point, yeah, I would just. I would just do a block. It's weird. Yeah. Like, I always feel bad about it, but we shouldn't. I know. It's like you're actively, like, trying to get in my Bother shit, me. you know? Yeah, he's just... Or you I could always... do the restricted. Restricted account works, too. 
I think I already did. Oh, okay. Because yeah, this went into general, but then it still lights up. I don't know. I I used to all on Twitter. I would always do a mute instead of a block, um, because for some reason I feel like if someone sees that they, I've blocked them, then it's like oh they know they got to me or something. But I remember um, when I interviewed Tim Heidecker, he was he was saying that he always just does a block because it's like if you just cut off the oxygen to something, it just like makes it go away. Yeah. He's quick to do a block instead of a mute. Um, well, I think I that's know, definitely a man thing. Like Maybe, yeah. But I know that like the few times in my life that I have trolled and it was like only on um, atrocious anti – a couple times during the pandemic on like atrocious anti-vaxxers thing, I would just get in the comments and just be like – you know yeah and i when i i assumed that very quickly i would get blocked and i i wouldn't have thought oh i'm getting to them i would just would have thought like they have decent comment moderation the fact that i wasn't i was like waiting to be blocked you know <laughs> and the fact that i wasn't was surprising to me well were people responding cuz people like to fight them you know yeah um maybe a little bit but it like a a little yes a little bit a little bit but like i said like if i had been blocked it wouldn't i wouldn't have felt victorious which is how i'm always afraid if i block the person will be like aha i wouldn't have felt victorious i just would have felt like a thwart, kind of thwarted or like i got caught like if someone's being a jerk i think they expect to get blocked totally yeah i yeah i have a weird thing about it too i you know ha- the Britney thing had many, many levels yeah. of, of things I went through, but part of that was getting trolled by people. I bet. And, you know, I would have this thing where I was like, I don't want to block them because I don't want them to know that I saw it. Yeah. You know, or like even totally. admit that they exist. So you just mute it, but yes. you still end up seeing things. And it's, yeah, yes. it's kind of a head fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of this. That's right. That's what I do with the muting, too. It's like somehow I feel like, aha, like you're they're just going to keep throwing it into the void and they won't know that I'm not seeing, I don't know. <sighs> what a weird. Yeah. I've, weird I've decided life. with, with abstinence, I think I'm, I don't want to pile too much on my plate, but there's also certain things like in therapy, I've been realizing lately how much social media is like really fucked me up. And I was like, I think I'm going to try to take mo- like maybe sometimes take a month off of certain things as well. So I think I'm going to try in September to take a month off of, of, social media because i'm just mm-hmm. like it's i was like whoa it's really doing a number on me that i think all of us obviously don't even realize you know but i was yeah so it's oh it's just so bad for us and so fucked up i just know how we, like interact now i think about that all the time and then i tweet about it <laughs> <laughs> i am very aware of how bad it is though um i just can't i just can't break it but i always uh, think it'd be better if i did babs it was so nice having you on the show do you remember when I did Lady to Lady, at one point I turned, at the beginning, I turned to you because I, I remember thinking about this and wanting the ground to swallow me up. At the beginning, <laughs> I turned and I was like, we had just met and I said, do you go by Barbara or Barb? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> well, neither actually. And, I was like, and then I, I realized what I had said and I was like, oh my God. I think I was watching Stranger Things. Or so. I don't know what happened, but I said it. I said it. In like a rare moment of confidence, I said it so confidently and I like didn't nail it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that. Don't you love that when you're like, this is, I got it this time. Like yeah. everything's fine. I'm going to, I'm gonna actively. And I was like, uh, no bitch. It's Babs. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I honestly go by all of them. I don't really care that much. I just kind of started using Babs more in the last few years, yeah. but it's all good. Uh, but do you don't remember that, right? Tell me you don't. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't remember. So don't worry. <laughs> Tell me you don't. <laughs> no, I don't remember anything. Thanks to lots of alcohol. So. Oh, good. Well, then really, <laughs> I'm the winner here. <laughs> it was so nice talking to you. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, what they should listen to, etc. Yeah, you can find me at Babs Gray on, you know, social media where I will be probably also, yeah, not be going away from. Um, and Babstinence comes out once a week on Mondays. Lady to Lady is on Wednesdays. And yeah, we're celebrating 10 years. So come check that out. If you're into it, there's so many old episodes to listen to. It's great. And um, Toxic, check that out too. That's just 10 episodes. And like I said, it was a ton of work. I'm really proud of it. So Toxic, the Britney Spears story. And that's all the things. Awesome. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed and leave us a nice review or a, no, you know what? A nice review would be nice. Five stars, please, on Apple Podcasts. And uh, check out my other podcasts, Upworthy Weekly and Childish. And I am on Patreon. Patreon. All sorts of bonus stuff. We've got the bonus podcast the friend zone um very highly personal gossip filled dark episode not all dark many of them are light and fun but there there was a recent one where i really delved into all sorts of dark past stuff uh which and then i put it up and then i felt nervous about being so vulnerable but the reception has been very uh nice so that's and then I've got an, another one slated to come out soon, which is sort of um, just a follow up to that one uh, with more personal me just going, here's all my junk. Blah, blah, blah. That's the sound of me. Bar that's not the sound of me barfing. The sound of me barfing is like <laughs> much more <laughs> like that. But that's just a more, you know, PG version of me vomiting my stuff all over you guys and love where you can text me and there's rewards aplenty patreon.com slash allison rosen sign up for a year get two months free follow me on social media at allison rosen on twitter and instagram tony where might we find you uh twitter and instagram at tony thaxton and my podcast bizarre albums every tuesday and once again Ugh. to allison's delight Mm. There's like 10 more Motion City soundtrack shows in September. If you're it's in the insane. Midwest or East Coast, we'll be out there. So uh, Allison is excited about it. So come on. See out. Tony see before his arm explodes <laughs> from over drumming. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to do. It's going to mm -hmm. explode. Yeah, that's how it works. From the heat. Right? <laughs> uh, thank you so much, you guys. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time.